Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Film House. Where the hell is Lawrence? Where's Lawrence? I don't know, he's in the bathroom or something. This is the podcast where we talk about things film. We're not funny, it's just informative I'm because funny. that's what we do here. We're, uh, we're just informational. Why was, this, why was the filmmaker so insufferable to be, insufferable to be around? I would like to uh, let you guys he took know. Himself real serious. What's the worst audition you've ever been on? I'll tell you at the end of this. Thing I have to say in the beginning gotcha. that this episode brought to you by Blue Apron. Thank you, Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron's on a mission uh, to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, but more on that later. On a mission to your kitchen. They should rhyme. use that. Not true rhyme. They should really use that. Anyway, well, you want to hear about my worst audition? Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually. I know what it is. I know what, what is it is it? too. It's uh, you auditioning to be Attack on the G4. show. That's it. And yeah. I choked up in front of uh, a mutual friend of ours. Who? Uh, Gavin Purcell. Oh, that's oh, embarrassing. Text yep. him. Nip. And yeah, well, he then messaged us years later after he worked on what was he on Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon for yeah. years, and he DM both I think Bruce and I, and he said, "Hey, caught up on Funhouse, good work, guys." Wow, proud, mm-hmm. proud moment for yeah. me. And he's like, "Actor Adam Kovic, you've come, you've come a long way from that piece <laughs> of shit that wasted my afternoon. That I was a piece of shit." Do you think if he knew going back? What he knew now, he would have hired you for a te- for you could have for dirt cheap. You know what, Elise? I'm glad I didn't get it because really? now I have to work with you assholes. You could have. I mean, you still would have worked with me. Hey, let's go over some headlines. <laughs> yeah, we would have played volleyball together. Sorry. Go real on. Quick. Oh, it's okay. Um, I'll, I'll go in any random order. Uh, Don Rickles is dead. Ninety. What was your favorite Don Rickles film? Next. Ricky next. splits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say there's a Tales from the Crypt episode, I believe, where he's a comedian. Doesn't get the little, the hand, the hand thing. Let me see. I'm gonna look it up real quick. What you guys talk about, Don Rickles? Don, Don Rickles was 90. Yeah. yeah. He was a comedic pioneer. I think that's a good amount of time. 90 is a good year. Yeah. Go. Don Rickles was he in the Aristocrats? Uh, he must have been. Must have been right. He must have been. There he is, Don Rickles. Later, my Ricky's. Buddy. Because, uh, we're joined by Lauren Sontag on today's podcast. National Beer Day. Um, other news. Uh, there's a little movie out this weekend. Um, for us now, we recorded this a week early, a film called Your Name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, James and Elise have already seen Your Name. Yep. What is Your Name all about? Elise. So it's your classic body swap story, but not, essentially. Yeah. Um, I won't tell you too much because for me, I just knew that this movie had a reputation in Japan of being at the top of the box God, office for beautiful. weeks and weeks yep. and oh being God. stunning looking. Yep. Um, I didn't seek out any information about it. I just watched it. I saw it on a plane. I was really, really fortunate that it was available to me that way. And I'm glad that I went into it not knowing that much because it, you, it takes a little bit at the beginning to kind of figure out, okay, this is the rules it's establishing and what it's doing. But once you know that, it's just, it's beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not a, a, too, not too romantic of a person however as Lawrence knows because I tell him this all the time for some reason because I feel like he understands but I don't know <laughs> um, like to me love that transcends space oh. and time is always like really beautiful yeah it's not true either which it's, is great uh, that's why I love like a movie like Cloud Atlas because that just kind of feels that way to me and this movie very much kind of has that uh, sensibility to oh. it which I thought was very romantic and it's not necessarily like Twilight um not necessarily romantic love though, but I definitely uh, two thumbs up. Every I've, everything up. I, I, yeah, I this can, this know. movie is great. Every single <laughs> shot looks like concept art. Yeah. yeah. Like everything looks like oh well that's what they they intended mm. the movie to look like, but then when it came down to actually mm. animating it, you had to make compromises. Mm. This movie makes no compromises visually. I would liken it 
to the film going experience of seeing your name is like diving into a swimming pool you've never been into before and as soon as you hit the water you realize it's perfectly room temperature so there is yeah. no shock okay. it is uh it's a very excellent film there's certain things it's not exactly slice of life but it it kind of still has very very much that going for it um people just living their lives is and there is there a shot of a faucet that has water in it, and then a drip comes there out. There could be. Yeah, there must be. Yeah. I mean, there must be. Two characters on an elevator for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. Is there an establishing mm-hmm. shot of a no, summer day where you can hear the cicadas? Oh, yeah. for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's like 100. Absolutely. Oh, we're in anime town. Um, um, it is anime. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. Something that animes tend to do better, for me at least, than live action movies are like do these slice of life things. Like I find myself having an easier time relating to these characters than than if it was an actor portraying the role, you know? That's something that I've found very curious. Because uh, anime is almost mathematical in its pacing sometimes, especially in Slice of Life stuff. You know, there will be these long panoramas of very detailed, you know, drawings of Tokyo or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's always got that kind of hazy, almost dreamlike look about it. But that's the sort of thing that I would get annoyed with in a live action thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you're doing this panning shot of Chicago. Like, great. Yeah. But for some reason, since it's animated... My eyes just enjoy drinking it in a lot more. Well, it is interesting because the director, he goes to a lot of places and takes photographs hmm. and then uses those photographs as the first phase for the back plates for a lot of his animation. Oh, wow. So he will actually go into a rural – we were looking through that art book yeah. for a lot of his work. He'll go to a rural Japanese town and he'll take photographs and be like, this would be the shot I would use. He'll take that photograph and then he'll bring it back and then he'll have his artist look at it and then interpret it. So it still has the the depth of field and the perspective and kind of the the framing that he wants. But then they'll go in and they'll add things like mist and things that couldn't possibly be there because of real life and animation. I really like to watch this on a big screen. I hope we do. Maybe maybe we should. Is this um, like a very like down to earth? Sort of thing, or does it have like a supernatural kind of anime? There's, oh, there's a little. It's, it doesn't go so far. I, I guess it technically would count as deep fiction, okay. but it doesn't. Nothing. There's no point where you're like, I'm utterly ripped out of it. Um, hmm. It's just interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Well, I, I guess uh, according to the lease, yep. If you can find it in the theater, go see it. Yep. If not, I guess you gotta wait for the DVD like everyone else. Where are you going to waste? Or you probably already pirated it. Oh, okay. Also, one of my favorite things about go? movies like this is that mm-hmm. they you don't know you're watching it. It doesn't follow like a straightforward plot structure, so you're not like, oh, it's coming up on the end, like or like, oh, we must be at the middle of the movie. Like, I, I was watching it on a plane, but I was basically the there the whole time, just going like. I have no long how, I have no idea how long I've been watching this movie or how much is left, but I am glad that it keeps going. Okay. So I will go see it. Strong should. Oh, now. and the soundtrack is amazing oh, too. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, great Sorry. Great soundtrack. Oh, apologizing. Everything is good. <laughs> uh, now onto something I care about. Invader Zim, the movie was announced. You did it, Adam. We're making Invader this Zim. You. you did this it. My fa- it was my favorite cartoon of all time. That's why your really? hair is that no, way. But oh. damn, it's good. Um, is it, did anyone watch Invader Zim? I never really got into I, it. I, uh, yeah, I watched a, a few DVD episodes. Man, I never, so I never had cable, so I missed out on a whole lot. Well, I thought it was so. charming. For those who don't know, there is a, there is a backstory <laughs> to Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a comic book came out a long time ago in the late 90s. Uh, called Johnny the Homeless Automaniac. Did anyone read that? Yes. Thank you. I had a friend Finally. who let me borrow him. I read the whole thing in one day, the director's cut. I bought it at a Hot Topic before work, and I read it at work when I was at Six Flags, and it, it represented my, my angst so perfectly. 
It's an angry man, but it's self-awareness. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. angry. It's it's a magical thing because there's like the Lincoln Park version of being young and angry, where you're just lashing out for no reason. But John and Hamasano Maniac is great because the main character is like that, but he's surrounded by characters that constantly call him out on his hypocrisy and his bullshit, and the fact that his rebellion is so templatized. Like you're just an angry young man, and mm-hmm. you think that makes you special. You're really not. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic read. It's very clever. It was created by one Yonan Vasquez, who went on to do another comic book called Squee, and then a very short run called I Feel Sick, uh, and then he did a he really kind of fell off the face of the planet after Invader Zim, uh, which is kind of sad because love the art style, love the writing, love everything about it. He was also, I believe, only twenty two when he was making this cartoon. Really? Hmm. This was like his first cartoon. Wow. I had no oh. idea he was so young. Uh, you might recognize a voice actor from Invader Zim as the uh, main voice of Raz and Psychonauts and many other games like Destroy All Humans. Uh, it's so weird. Both of those came back almost at the same time. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's all, it's all happening again. I guess it's again. the new 90s, you know. We got Beauty and the Beast in theaters, Power Rangers, uh, it's way back, Ghost in the Shell. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all wrapping around. But uh, yeah, Invader Zim was one of the shows that ended way too early and now uh, Nickelodeon announced that they're making, I guess their reruns have been doing really well. So they're doing a made-for-TV movie that's uh, coming out, question marks, sometime in 2017. Um, 2017, really? I just finally put my, my finger on it. I believe it was 2017. Wow. Wait, what do you mean put your finger there's, on There's it? a uh, – actually, I think they predate the gorillas, but there was an animated pop group that Lisa and I have talked about called Prozac. And they have a particular art style. It's, like, very flat, but has, like, the, the shines on the eyes yeah. and things like that. If you, if you search P-R-O-Z-Z. <coughs> you, don't, you don't need to search that. Oh. I, just, I was just like, man, I've seen this art style somewhere else around the same time period. Yeah, they are kind of kind of similar. Anyway. Sorry to, sorry to throw it. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I, was, I remember I have a lot of, like, Invader Zim moments. I remember I was, like, a, a teacher's assistant when I was in high school. And there was a group of uh, – it was a class of, like, second and third uh, graders. I remember, like, the teacher was like, "Hey, uh, just keep them entertained for a little bit." It's like, "Hey, so what do you what do you kids watch?" Uh, and they're like, "SpongeBob." I'm like, does anyone like Invader Zim? And they went, "No." I was like, "Oh, I see." The show was marketed for people who are way too old, and that's probably a big reason why it failed, yeah. uh, which is sad. Um, but now, now that everyone's older, they're rewatching it, or yeah. like it's it's gained enough of attraction. It was still in hot topic for ten years mm-hmm. uh, afterwards. It was just definitely on the wrong network. But um, kind of like Futurama, it was a little it was a little too clever for its own good sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And then yeah, the the demographic it was pushed on, it was it was probably intended for somebody. People wanted Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of I, it. Felt bad. You ever feel like there's a piece of content that's made specifically for you, mm-hmm. and then no one is really on it, and so on one hand you feel special because you're like, oh wow, someone made something for me. But then you're afraid because it's going to get taken away because no one yeah. else is into it. And you have it. nobody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, really either. I got a meta question for you, Adam. Go for it. Do you sometimes feel defensive when, after the fact, a whole bunch of people come out of the woodwork to say they were secret fans the whole time? Now that it's gone and, like... Not really. Okay. Uh, because it was on a channel that was meant for little dumb babies. And, <laughs> and so it didn't make any sense. Like, why would... It made sense why it failed. Like, it always should have been on Adult Swim. Like, right now we're watching a clip. It's a homeless man yelling... At a cash register, he goes, I want my slaw. He goes, you have your slaw. He goes, I want my slaw. Like, why is that in a kid's show? As, and it's a homeless guy. It's very, I don't know. And uh, it was way too way too clever, way too smart, way too scary for dumb babies. So, yeah. I'm glad it's back, though. Very That's happy good. about it. So they just said one made-for-TV movie. Sounds like it's going to be like an hour and a half bit that they're and doing. They're use that to probably test the waters to see if people want more Invader Zim. That's that's the hope. I, yeah. I highly recommend we all watch but, it. But you were saying earlier you don't know if Yonan Vasquez is involved. He is. He, he is. finally, yeah, I was okay. keeping a very close eye on his Twitter. 
Um, I've been a Yoni Vasquez fanboy for a very long time. That's I think he's the first person I wait in line at a Comic-Con to get something signed, and it was my badge. Um, and then I waited in line. F- I bought a copy of Johnny the Homeless Automaniac to get signed by him at another Comic-Con for a friend. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there, but uh, Ricky Simons, the voice of Gurr, was, and he was looking at me very confused of, like, why do you want me to sign this? I didn't work on this comic. I'm like, I know, but... You know, there's a connection. There's a connection. I know yeah. that you know you there's you were the colorist and who's not here. All this other stuff, and then uh, actually, oh, here, oh, here he goes. Oh, he's so excited. No, no, so you're, at least you're host of the show for oh, until he gets great. back. Great. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about all the things I'm into. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, right now, uh, you know, wrapped up Big Little Lies last week. That was pretty great. Uh-huh. Um, I've been uh, reading the, the uh, history of Saturday Night Live because uh-huh. uh, yep. you know, a lot of my heroes passed yep. through there, so uh, that's pretty interesting to oh, me. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, we're done with the least talking. Hey, now. look at that. I got this at a different Comic-Con. Uh, Yoni Vasquez did the artwork for Bioshock 2 for this Bioshock 2 art print, and he signed it for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I've had it's it framed dusty. for a very It's a little dusty. Yeah, it's, it's in there. It's beautiful. There you oh. go. What if we smash it open, there's um, treasure that makes map a lot of inside. Sense. I've seen that in the office a lot. I didn't know he did that. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that makes I mean, sense. I'm not a huge fan of Bioshock two in any way it's a, a decent game i think it's pretty good minerva's den dlc w- was fine but that's why i keep that because i'm a big stupid young Vescos man that's really great of you to say thank you yeah. well, that's exciting though it's yes. nice that this kind of thing happens that that yeah. this is this is where it works out good that every all old trash gets recycled eventually and if i'm I not calling put, this yeah. trash specifically i'm just saying everything like well, this is right. something that someone tried and then it, it failed commercially mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean things are over psychonauts is the same deal you samurai know? jack yeah. samurai jack um, it's very heartwarming you in my more cynical moments you know I, I tend to think that everything in this world is driven by money and if something fails it's dead mm-hmm. but clearly i think these are examples of somebody who believed in it mm-hmm. saw it and was like this didn't get a fair shake I really believe that this can work because it's really good, mm-hmm. and somebody is willing to to put their money and their you know their weight yeah, behind it. It's to make funny because it yeah. like I think actually I think it may have been the day that like this was announced. I kind of was thinking about like stuff that's dear to me, and I started thinking of Umbrella Academy, mm. Gerard Way's oh, yeah, like yeah. two comic book series where he's he's talked about he wanted to do eight of them, and then there's supposedly been a series in development. Like it, there was Netflix talk and other stuff, and and there's like never any developments about that but I, I still like hold a candle for for both of those things yeah. for that third volume you gotta which wait like another. the the you know the the next comic it has a title but it doesn't exist you gotta but, wait another yeah. decade though well, yeah so. the time. i think it's another thing too with television especially is that the rating system in which mm. it has fallen under has been so flawed for so long mm-hmm. that now we live in a dime where you can get better analytics mm-hmm. with you know online viewership and there's so many different ways of consuming media and that now I think companies are looking for more of these like really dedicated hardcore audiences, very much like the sure. Rooster Teeth audience, where they're just like they're very loyal, they're very community driven, and now they're trying to tap into that and trying to get now all these people who maybe watched or pirated Samurai Jack are now older and have disposable income mm-hmm. and will probably watch and buy and consume this stuff. And I understand that's the world we live in is very consumerism based and all that fun stuff, whatever. But as long as this sort of like good entertainment can keep getting made, it makes me happy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think that like now it's a lot less daunting for production companies to adapt certain materials that were perceived as unadaptable before. And there are also new content delivery systems and platforms that that these media that failed five years ago can be more successful on. Like Arrested Development, case in point, Netflix Mm, was was perfect to relaunch that on because it was the show that was not digestible in a week-to-week format. Mm -hmm. Um, Something like this probably would do great as Uh well, like if it came back in a series on Hulu or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
any any for even if it's like it's like a BBC style thing where every couple of years we get a Zim movie. I'm I'm okay with that. It's Yon Vasquez. There, there he is. Oh, that's cute. I had that T-shirt oh, yeah. for the longest time. I'm a big nerd. Um, but yeah, that that's really it. I just wanted to geek out over Invader Zim for a while. That's cool. So yeah, thank yeah. you for entertaining me. No, guys, that's nice of you. Um, speaking of entertaining me, you guys like food? Yeah. Good. No, Let's ever. talk about Blue Apron. Uh-huh. Is this film house episode? podcast brought to you. Uh, it, it was a terrible segue <laughs> on my part but i like to remind you guys that this is uh this episode is brought to you by blue apron uh blue apron is affordable for less than ten dollars per person per meal blue apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals and uh i think that's fantastic it has a very positive impact on the community blue apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms fisheries and ranchers across the u.s that's beef chicken and pork which come from responsibly raised animals I like animals that are responsible. Yeah. I, I hope that well, the animals aren't necessarily responsible, but the people raising them are. Exactly. Mm, I think um, the animals are responsible. They never never miss a rent check. Oh, yeah. They always know? pay on time. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about Blue Apron is the variety. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week. Here's some uh, fun features that are coming up. There's the spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives. Bell peppers and ricotta salata. Mm. That's Spanish for salad. Uh, there's the uh, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice. There's the parmesan crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli. And finally, the baby broccoli and fontana panis, 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 panis <clears throat> with hard boiled egg and arugula salad. I can't speak well, but at least can. So please check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. With free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash filmhouse. Once again, that's blueapron.com slash filmhouse. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So please do not wait. That is blueapron.com slash filmhouse. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. So thank you, guys. Uh, and I want to move on to our final news story. Oh. I think Bruce might want to weigh in on this one, too. Bruce. We're not going to talk about Power Rangers. Are you? We're going back to Don Rickles. Did anyone see Power Rangers? I did. Lawrence. I think really? I was the only one, weirdly. Okay. Oh, it's okay. There's not much to say. Uh, really? Was it? Was it okay? What are we talking about? I got a, I got a, I got a little, little thing loaded up about it, but yeah. It, if it's whatever, we can move on. You go ahead. Give me a little bit. Mm, I want right. to hear. I want to hear about Power Rangers. All right. Whoa. So your typical Power Rangers episode. Sorry, Bruce. Why did I join Bruce? Came. This will be fast. Before. I promise. Okay. Except I'm talking, so probably not. <laughs> uh, it's you know divided into half of it is shitty teen drama. The other half is Japanese dudes in suits flipping around, kicking people. What's really strange is that you would expect a Power Rangers movie, the easiest part would be the fights, right? Of course. Like, just get people in suits and have them fight other dudes in suits. Make those, make those scenes good. Like we got, it's a dumb action movie. We got it. Yeah. But bizarrely, the new Power Rangers nails the teen drama aspect of it and completely flunks the action. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. So it's, it's actually, if you... If they took all the Power Rangers out and it was just a movie about teen drama, it'd be pretty good. And that's really weird to say. It's well written and well acted for the teen part of it. Um, it's a very kind of good modern take on Breakfast Club. Uh, like three of the kids meet in detention at the beginning. They're all kind of mm. screw ups in their own ways. Uh, they meet two of the other ones in a quarry because it's Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, there's a lot in it that is like very kind of wink and a nod to a lot of uh, Sentai and Power Rangers tropes, which is really cool. But man, they don't do. There's like some cool. There's some pretty cool like car chases and stuff like that. Car chases. Car, yeah, well. yeah. Because the uh, Jason is like a. Uh, he he was in in football, but you know messed it up, and he's it's like running boy. from the cops and stuff. Did you see so. this movie? Mm-mm. 
But anyway, so th there's some good shots, and it's pretty well directed, but they don't morph for, like, until the last ten minutes. And What? Yeah. And yeah, the best right. action shots are all in the trailer. Every single one. Mm. Um, there's they, they, fight, they fight putties for about 30 seconds in their suits. Then they get in their stupid robot. That is not in the movie at all. Uh, okay. Dude parkouring on a train. Um, and then, like, Elizabeth Banks is very cartoony when the rest of the movie is not. So it's just a really, it's like two she movies. She was on a green screen. She didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, no, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame her at all, uh, to make that clear. But just like, it's really tonally conflicted, and the best parts of the movies have nothing to do with Power Rangers. It's very, very strange. Yeah. But well, I was, it's, an or, I was, it's a superhero origin story that they applied to that's Power the best. Rangers. That was the best. Him triple kicking that dude. They turned into dinosaurs right there. Yeah. yeah. But this is the end of the movie. But So it's funny, because they take off their helmets, because they realize that like they can't have them talking even though they do that in the show it all the is. time, they just hyper remote. Yeah, they oh, don't yeah. do that in the movie. <laughs> so their helmets are off, and they look dumb uh, with the visors off. And then, yeah, the, I don't know, man. It was, comes in. If, if it had some pretty fuck, that was also the second best shot in the movie. That I will continue not seeing the film. Yeah, don't. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to watch done. just to see them invert everything that's good about the TV show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, huge mystery. Well, I think, well, I think there's a difference between when you have, like, a bunch of cheap-to-pay... Uh, Asian dudes in spandex, and you ask them to fight choreography. That's way cheaper than it is to Train. build extremely compli yeah. complex suits that you can no longer move in, such that you have to create new CG characters. Wow. It, it, like that reminded me of. I haven't seen it, but I feel like watching it will remind me of the first Ninja Turtles movie that came out uh, a couple years yeah. ago, where there's only about 15 minutes of Ninja Turtles in it yeah. because of how expensive it is to make make Ninja Turtles and have them do shit. Yeah. If they do another Power Rangers, I think it might actually be pretty good because I think that it'll be cheaper to do the action that everyone wanted from the first movie. Right. They'll front load it and then they don't have to worry about the origin story and the, and whatever the conflict will be something different. Jeremy yeah. Irons is in oh, this okay. movie? Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah, moving on speaking of Dungeons and Dragons and uh, and one of the Wayans. Matthew oh. Lillard and Marlon Wayans, right? Matthew yeah. Lillard wasn't no? it. No. No, you're thinking of it Wing was Commander. Just some, it was just some oh. dude. Wing Commander. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah, This is around the same time. Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard and um, Was there a Wing Commander movie? So, yeah, well, okay. Well, real quick, the reason why we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, the hit film from the the far off year of 2000. God, that was 20 years ago, roughly. Wow. So, uh Joe, I'm gonna butcher his name. Magne nope. Yeah, you we Manga did it. We practiced. Manganello. No, that's Manganello. It. Joe Manganello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Who you uh, may know as Flash Thompson from the original Spider-Man. No, Probably not. That's more of a trivia thing. True Blood. True Blood is what people He's know. He's in True oh, Blood, okay, and he is a sexy, sexy man in the Magic the Mike Magic Mike series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently, he had wrote a script for the Dungeons and Dragons movie. He's quote uh, co-written a D and D movie with playwright friend Cargany Mellon. Carnegie Mellon. Oh, he's from Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon. I friend that's from lipstick. Carnegie Mellon. I don't know yeah, what that yeah. is. That's, that's a, a I thought that was a person's name. It's a school. School. Anyway, yeah. uh, he wants to see plenty of fire-breathing spectacle, but ultimately, what makes a great superhero or fantasy movie is the human aspect. It's got to be about something. We root for those characters in Game of Thrones. Fellowship of the Ring was about friendship. This undying love for your friends. That's something everyone can identify with. Sounds like... Does he write stuff? Is I, Joe Manganiello a writer? I, he, yeah, he's a director, too. I, he he also, he, what has he done? He wrote a he's workout did, book. What was it? Be, be oh, something. Man. He's he's directed films he's before. Ripped. Okay. So, yeah. brief brief aside. This movie's awesome. But have you ever listened to the director's commentary? No, for I Dungeons haven't Dragons? watched yes. it, nor have I listened. I, I haven't watched it once. Definitely haven't watched it. Twice. The whole movie's on YouTube. Oh apparently. no! Yeah, look uh, at that man get lit on fire by a CG dragon. Oh boy! If, if man, if you want, 
if you want an interesting evening, uh, watch the director's commentary for this uh, yeah. because the entire time for almost every scene, the director is basically like not outright, but basically apologizing. And he's like, there was a good movie in here. I promise <laughs> really? a lot of scenes got cut and this would have made more sense if those scenes were in. And it's like, you can tell he's kind of blaming like the producers and stuff that wow. forced him to chop the movie down. Cause he thought it was good yeah. and still swears Man. by it being good. Also that dude shouts, give me the rod. So, so the other scene before this would have made his silly lipstick look better. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, like, maybe. No, you don't get it. He blew an maybe. elf. Before this happened, <laughs> the weird thing about a Dungeons and Dragons movie He's is that it's so vague. Fences. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like we made a movie it. called yeah. Fantasy. Yep, right. You know, like so, but th that's the thing is we already have Lord of the Rings, we already have Game of Thrones, we have all these other. So it's like you want your your different types of fantasy. You got it. I thought D and D is the perfect opportunity to go like meta with it. Oh, yeah. So like Lego movie well, maybe he of? did. Well, I was, Lego movie is like the perfect example. You, yeah. So you're, I, I feel like you're talking about Stranger Things almost. Where kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, sure. You know, like they're playing the game Fuck and then end up having to do it. I was going to say, like, the, it could open up as this, like, epic fantasy movie, and then there's, like, a big action scene, everything's kicking in, and then you hear someone go, no, 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 and it cuts out, and yeah. it's like, oh, that kid's a DM. Yeah. And, like, okay. Princess so now, Pride. Borderlands 2. You could... Do so everything. I feel like you can get really original with it. So it's Except like, it's not original. Yeah, we just named several examples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you could do something that's not just a strict fantasy movie. Yeah, because yeah, the fantasy movie, like, I feel like almost D&D &D should be, like, a show or, like, yeah. uh, like a TV series. You can do anything every single I, week. I feel like a movie just it yeah, seems I don't know. It's weird. It feels like, and again, we don't know what he's pitched. Maybe he pitched some sort of cool concept. And nice. Maybe it's a good script. But it feels like the yeah. kind of thing where you could just make a fantasy movie, right? You just make a movie couched yeah. in the fantasy genre, and it if it's good be... enough to exist, yeah. then it will just be that movie. I understand brand recognition, but really, I don't think... I mean, people play D&D, &D, but I don't think naming something Dungeons & Dragons is going to get more people into the theaters. I, I think it will versus some other... Like you know, Air, well, the Air, Air, Dawn Air. of the Elves or whatever. Well, like, but it's, if it's you know, good, like, there was the, it, what was the, the Nick Cage one, the Last Witch Hunter? No. Oh, the other one. No. Uh, oh shit. Was that the Ray Liotta? No, that was. Uh, See, that it was which 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 is year or this something? Is a good, year of the this, Witch. This is a good example, by the way, because you don't remember what yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's, it's but a, they were bad too. I'm season of the, season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. No, no, yeah. they were bad. I saw this in theaters. That movie was boring. I saw it. Nothing in, happens, and yeah. then one of the guys has a New York accent. Yeah. I can't afford. But it. what you're doing is you're banking on the fact that you're going to get some people in for Dungeons. I and guess opening weekend you're going to get yeah, something. You'll, you'll get them, in. and then it's going to fall off. Absolutely. As opposed to if you just tried to make a good fantasy movie, then you may not have the backing of Dungeons and Dragons, but people might actually say it's worth watching. I don't know. It's it's the weird like hedge our bets versus yeah. try and actually do something. Okay. Totally, I totally get the business decision, oh, yeah. but it just so. doesn't feel like Dungeons and Dragons. It's, if it was Lord of the Rings, wow. a yeah. story from Lord of the Rings, yeah. like, and now they're just turning it into a franchise where they just call things Lord of the Rings, but then they tell stories that have nothing to do with Frodo. Yeah. Get no. that, because no, that's something that's associated with something good. Yeah. D&D is associated with just kind of but having I'm, existed. This stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine how, <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point, though. D&D, to me, is a brand is a bunch of people sitting around a table uh, role-playing. And to me, the fascinating part is when parts of yourself go into the game and you don't even know it. Yeah. So kind of what Adam was saying, what I think would be an amazing movie is you have, you know, teens or whatever, and, and it is kind of that superhero origin aspect where they go into the game and they're super-powered and they're living out their fantasies, 
but at the same time they're using that as an avenue to deal with their private lives so mm-hmm. you go into the you go into the fantasy realm and you see these barbarians cleaving orcs in half then you have these like indications that something's wrong with this character or they're upset about something click click back to real life and the dm's like what the fuck dude you can't do that and then he goes home and his wife his mom's beating him yeah, or whatever yeah. i don't know but yeah you i think i think there's provided it's written well a movie called Dungeons and Dragons in which a group of real people work through real problems, but it has that fantastic element mm-hmm. injected. Fantasy really well. sucker punch. Yeah. Well, I, I think like a lot of ta- a lot of kids, a lot of people growing up go through a lot of hard shit, mm-hmm. and fantasy or video games or movies, books, otherwise are always like they provide an excellent escape. And yeah, Lawrence, that's exact. That's the movie I would write. Not that I could write a movie to save my fucking life. But, but that's where you would start conceptually. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what's going on. With would Lego be like. I feel like that's more of a television television show. Sure. I mean, like that's kind of how I feel. A like, lot more episodic than it would yeah. be a movie. It'd be like this nice mix. I, I hate saying this because it's like it's one part this and one part this because then that's how you freaking sell things. But yeah. it really is basically Lego Movie meets Stranger <sighs> Things with a little bit of uh, what's that Falcor movie? The Neverending Story. Mm-hmm. Oh, until you said that one, you had all the studio executives I know themselves. <sighs> what's, like, what's what can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, years old. Well, wait. Yeah. I think Eternia. Could... We're gonna say. Well, there's that one old executive in the back goes. I remember Falcor. <laughs> he has a heart over dead. Yeah. So hold up. If we're in the new 90s, what what movie from that era epitomizes the idea you're talking about? Because I'm thinking Pagemaster, but that was a little earlier. Pagemaster bomb, though, too. Yeah. Nobody so, liked that movie. Uh, <laughs> aside from the Neverending Story, <clears throat> uh, let's, here's, a, here's an exercise in, in profitability. Think of a movie that had, like, real life with, with like, uh, fantastical elements interspersed that did really well and is kind of a cultural hallmark. There wasn't much good fantasy in the 90s, was there? Yeah, it wasn't really a fantasy era. Not really. No. It was more science fiction, if anything. 90s was a bad time for genre films in general. Hmm. The ones that yeah. tried were all really bad. 90s, right. The 90s were really good for really original movies like Forrest Gump. Those or, are like act, good action films or, or something like that. Or adaptations of books that couldn't really be adapted well, like uh, Jurassic Park. Hmm. Or they're like, th- they can never do this, and then yeah. they did it. You're like, oh, yeah, triple A Oscar bait. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> list that. and stuff like. There were yeah, a lot of good yeah. live action historical drama epic stuff. Yeah. This, is, I mean, th- this is what, but this is what Hollywood been, has been doing for years and years and years. It's like the same with the Battleship movie and uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Those were other movies. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. somebody had already written that film and been like, this is so cool. And then and some studio executive was like, oh, we'll just slap Battleship yeah. on it. Where can we like, shove it? Almost yeah. every single Die Hard ever. Man, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just to get into people's heads and fuck with them. I feel like doing the D&D movie the way we're talking about it, you could have one of the main kids dying of cancer. Oh, think of the just the, the money. Yeah. The the tear money. Squeeze it out. You get. You have money. to save that until like the last 10 minutes though. Yeah. Reveal. Oh, so really good. punch him in the face. Well, you do you do the uh, the big fish reveal, remember? Right. Right. When he's sitting in the hospital with his dad yeah. and he's like, you're running out to the river, dad. You run out there and he's carrying him. The dad's like, yes. That part still Rush. sticks with me. I, I remember that one. That That's a, it's a good That movie hit me movie. pretty hard. It's yeah. a movie. I'd say that scene and then the final fight scene in Warrior are probably the two things oh, in a movie that a movie. can guarantee make me cry yeah, yeah. in a film. That's a good looking shadow. Dog yeah. dies in Hachi. I still haven't seen that. It's a dog's tale. There's nothing uh, worth What's watching Hachi? about that movie. Oh. Except for when the dog you want dies. a good cry. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Joe, I know you're not listening to this, he's but uh, <laughs> he's already written it. He's, What's his oh, last shit. Name? he's not lifting weights. And What's his last chicks. name? His wife? His last name. <laughs> oh, Mag Manganello. That's yeah! it. Yeah! Yeah. It's really uh, hard to say. It is, it's actually very hard to I say. I believe he's married to Sofia Vergara. Vergara? Vergara. Oh, wait, Sofia Vergara, right? Vergara. The one from uh, Modern Family? 
Yeah. I think that's his wife. Yeah. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. And God Neil. damn, Flash. Yeah. Up. Let me see. Hold on. So if he, he's uh, shredded. But yeah, we don't know what he's writing. But look at this. Hopefully, I, it's something. I want to see what their kid looks like. Cause holy crap, look at those two beautiful well people. Well done. Yep. What are we doing with our lives? Yeah. What is it that's innately <laughs> pleasing about seeing attractive people together? They're, they're attractive. Yeah, that, that. exactly that. But there's that. something. It's it's more than just seeing two nice things together. You they're, know that they're gonna make more nice things. That's it's, it's that's there it. are instincts that fire off in your brain, being like, boy, it's really good that they're gonna make better stuff for the human race. Yeah. For Objectively us. better. That's like when you see. Fuck me. See no. People. That's why oh, you hate ugly people, that. Lawrence. You're not allowed to write. What is? Yeah, that's what. Look, this hate. guy's writing D and D, and we're gonna be like, it needs more character, and he's like, cool. I'm gonna go fuck my yeah. hot wife. How many D and D movies do you think Vin Diesel has written? Too many. Oh man, he's I written mean, so many. How many witch hunters do you think he has? Probably up? a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> banged up. Now we're just looking at gay porn. Gay. That, that's that's airbrush. But that's not damn. gay. He looks great. No, he looks amazing. Apparently, he's gonna play. What's his name? Slade Wilson. Oh yeah, Deathstroke. Oh, yeah. Right on, right there on. Cool. Oh fuck me, please, <laughs> Lawrence. You could get to that. Uh, I you don't could. Know. He, uh, he it's wrote attainable. A, he, he wrote. He wrote a workout book. He's he's slimmer than I think I could ever get. It's attainable, Lawrence. You can do it. No, oh. I mean like rib cage wise. I got, never, I got a big never say never, Lawrence. Check this out. Check this out. <laughs> I have to crack my ribs and shove them back in. <laughs> Look at him. What? There That's it is. him as a kid. That's actually me on the left and me on the right. This is why he knows about D&D. <laughs> go, go up to it. What's that fatty picture of him? Yeah, I want to see the fatty one. Ah, oh, he's still weak. big. Yeah, he's still, he's still, that's a bulk. That's a bulk. That's I've a bulk seen it. That's a bulk. Uh, God, he was just bulking. See? Actors jacked. He wrote a script. He Remember him cool. Spider-Man? Oh, yeah. No. He was, he was oh, wait, I do. He was yes. supposed to be like, what, 18? <laughs> yeah, I think he was like 32. Right, just become an actor, yeah. and right, then you so can get jacked. Spider-Man. You get paid to get jacked. You get someone someone like, huh, we'll get a shot of him looking. Oh, he looks oh, great man, no matter what. Great. I have a question. Hopefully there's a term for this. Spider-Man did it. Superman Returns did it. Okay. What is the thing where you intentionally shoot something anachronistic, but no one remotely seems to care? So Spider-Man, the first one, the Sam Raimi one, when he was in high school, it was like the 1950s for no reason, except they had cell phones. Oh. And then immediately it skips into modern day when he leaves and goes into Manhattan. And then Superman returns it. Like Parker Posey was wearing a birdcage and driving a 20s Studebaker. Oh, I see what you're saying. And it was still modern day. Superman Returns is all mixed up. I know, right. but no one seems that's, to. That's, pick, the, that's the director's love for that time yeah, era and how they associate their but childhood. But there's got to be a term for that, right? That's when a, directors just do that for uh, no reason? It's just a mix of vision, too. There's, yeah. it's, not like you, it's not like one dude was going through the whole thing being like, now put that person in this weird costume. Like yeah. Somebody probably did it, and they're like, well, fuck it, whatever. There's also a certain. I mean, when you're casting a 32-year-old guy to play 15-year-old Peter Parker, you have to make the world around him somehow seem okay. out Older, of place. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's part of it, too. Well, Sam Raimi's also, I think at the time, he was maybe fifth in his 50s, and so he associated his time with comic books with that era. And so in his mind, he hmm. always talked about, like, oh, when I was a kid, I read Spider-Man's, like, Yes, but yeah. in your mind, it, it was like the '60s. It or was whatever. different, right? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not curious about why it happens. I'm just curious yeah. if there's a term for it because it seems to happen. Anachronistic. You got it right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that was uh, it. Um, pass jerkin. There it is. Yeah, that's what I we're like gonna that. call it. That's anyway, cool. that's the uh, that's the end of the podcast. All right. Thank you guys for uh, talking about movies. And Thanks stuff. for tapping yeah. me in so I could look at shirtless pictures of Joe Manganiello. Yeah. One day, we know man. Call you. One day we're all gonna look like that. Um, he's like in his 40s, I think. We can get there. We can get there. A few more beers and I'll be there. Maybe we should do serious training. Maybe we should like, like just like blot really, out six months to really get do it. Joe Manganiello bodies. Uh, the whole time we need to work idea. out to the hit film. 
Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> See you there. Streaming <laughs> now for free on YouTube, apparently. Guys, I'm going to throw this out there. there is. And you can say no right away, but yeah. Shitty Fantasy Night, uh, D&D with commentary. Whoa. Uh, in the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege Tale. Uh, Let's do it! Thank you, Elise. Elise is back. Hmm. Witch Hunter? Bruce Last is Witch leaving, Hunter? though. Bruce I, is gone. Bruce left. I tried watching that, but Stephanie was... Yelling at the movie the whole time so loud I couldn't understand any of the story. Oh no, the plot! <laughs> <laughs> the 